Okay, this is the week. This is the week it's going to happen. This will be the week that everything we've been waiting for, it starts to show itself. This is the week that Jackson Dart breaks out right here on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast. This is a Thursday edition. Um, Kara McCutcheon will come up later on the show. This will be the week that Jackson Dart will break out. And one of my first keys that I think this is going to happen is really Zach Evans is wearing a black jersey. Ulysses Bentley the fourth is wearing a black jersey. Um, there is some injury set up in the running back room, so it's going to force Ole Miss to pass. Vanderbilt is not the most, let's say, great pass defense. So there will be an opportunity for Jackson Dart to make plays, some comfort, some things that he has built on in the last five games. Anyway, I'm Stephen Willis at the Stephen Willis on Twitter. Thank you for joining us. And today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED, that's one word, LOCKED, to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. And also thank you for making the Locked On Almost podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you very much for that. You can catch us on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell for notifications, and participate in the conversation through the um, upvote button and the comments button. So look forward to that. I like reading y'all's stuff um, as it comes in during the day. So very much keep doing that. Anyway, I think this is the game that Jackson Dart is going to break out. This is going to be the game that he takes that step. Now, this quarterback position, what's going on? Now, I've told you this for probably four months at this point. This season is about maximizing that quarterback position. Now, if we want to do some damage this year, we need to maximize it before the Alabama game. So we got about five or six weeks. I forget the exact time, but, you know, let's say five weeks to get that done. That's at Vanderbilt, Auburn at home at LSU, at Texas A&M, by week, Alabama. That, that is what we're looking at. So I'm not overlooking any of the competition that we have to go, but it's about trying to maximize that position. And we're going to talk about that. This, this in the second segment is the center quarterback exchange and Nick Broker working some at center this week. So we'll see exactly what that looks like. If it's good, it's consistent, they can time it up, and the offense can kind of hum in the direction that they want to do it, that is going to be a positive and make everything a little bit easier for Jackson Dart. Everybody's going to point to wide receivers and tight ends and all these different things about how the offense could be good. Now, one thing that has been really good throughout this season is Jackson Dart throws um, the Lucy route very pretty. And if you know what I'm talking about, it's the drag route that they've thrown kind of angled. It's almost like a flag from the other side of the field a little bit. And it's in between the linebackers and the safety is where that opening comes up in pass coverage. And you, a lot of times you hit about the hash mark to the numbers. In between there is where they catch the ball. Jordan Watkins has done a ton of work in that realm. They've hit Malik Heath, that pretty pass that they going out, see going out of bounds. Um, they've hit that a couple of times. So 
that is one route that they've kind of connected on. There's some chemistry there. There's something you can look forward to. Um, you need to see the screen game develop a little bit more. You need to see them work the middle of the field, but a lot of that, of course, is dependent on the center exchange. The jet sweeps, again, dependent on the center exchange. Once all that happens, the offense can kind of form the way it's going to be. Right now, they're fairly elite in the running game. I, th I think that goes without saying. I mean, Jameer Gibbs is good, um, but I don't think anybody has a stable of running backs exactly like we have at the moment. And that is going to be an important thing moving forward. Because even though we've had trouble with the center exchanges, and we're going to talk about that, like I said, in the second segment, we've established ourselves as a dominant run game, which means defenses have to come in expecting to stop the run. They have to. Vanderbilt is going to come in, load the box, and say, okay, Jackson Dart, beat us. Because if you don't, Ole Miss will hand the ball off to their rock star freshman, hand the ball off to Zach Evans if he plays, and it will be death by a thousand cuts that way because Vanderbilt has not been really, really strong in pass defense or run defense this season. Like I said, Vanderbilt is not a bad team. They're not a good team, but they're better than they have been. That's the attitude you need to take as a fan going into this game. They're better than they have been. Right now, they're probably the 12th team in the conference. They're better than Auburn. Um, I talked to Zach Blackerby from Locked On Auburn last night um, for a little bit, and they, he said there's players that are looking to redshirt this season because they see the writing on the wall of Brian Harson. Next week, he's going to come on, and we're going to do our crossover, and he's going to join our Twitter spaces and all of that stuff. But he's going to talk about a little bit of a dumpster fire going on in the Plains, and I think there's a very real possibility um, Hugh Freeze ends up as the head coach in Auburn. And honestly, that would be a de decent fit. Now he needs to realize they can Freedom of Information Act him, but it'll be a decent fit. So this will be a big game for Jackson Dart. I I'm convinced of it. When you look at Vandy's safeties and the way they play, I think that Jackson Dart can make some hay against this defense, period. It's, it's, just, it's just there to happen. They're going to be thinking about the run, they're going to have to man up on wide receivers from time to time. Even if they try to play zone, you can use the backs out of the backfield. There are weapons at all three levels for this Ole Miss offense that once the passing game gets going, it could be really, really effective. And I think this is the week it happens. Um, I, I, I just wanted Jackson Dart to get through the Kentucky game with confidence. That's, that's what I wanted for him. And he exceeded my expectations. So much so, um, somebody, I think, in the, one of the comment sections basically said, I won't say anything negative about him. No, it's just where I set the expectations level for that game. He exceeded them. We're not at the point like in today's um, or yet yesterday's show with Chris Gordy, he talks about comparing Jackson Dart to Matt Corral. You can't do that. That's not fair. Even Chris Gordy admitted that wasn't fair. So you need to set these bars realistically. And for the first SEC game against a top 10 opponent, all of this with Kentucky's defense, bad snaps everywhere, catastrophic snaps. 
Jackson Dart exceeded expectations, especially having to throw the ball downfield because the middle of the field was not available to you because the timing was off on all the snaps. So, if we, like I said, we're going to talk about that in segment two a little bit because I, I've, I've talked about it ad nauseum. I get that, but it's important. It's one of the things that people need to hear over and over again. You can't just let this go. You can't just hear it and just move on to the next problem because this it could be a fatal flaw if you allow it to metastasize. But if you can nip it in the bud and Vandy and Auburn, they're hitting at a perfect point in the schedule where you can nip it in the bud potentially. And if you have that and get that done going down to LSU, you have a chance to be successful. Now, I don't know if people realize what Tiger Stadium will be like for that game. If Ole Miss wins the next two games, what Tiger Stadium will be like in that game. Because LSU is a special, special place when Ole Miss is good. It, it, it just really is. This, they talk about not having a rival almost as a point of pride. But when Ole Miss is good, you see it come out now. Those old scars, those old memories from back when Johnny Vaught and um, I, was it Paul Diesel or something like Dietzel, those guys back in the 50s playing those classic games. And Ole Miss would go down and they're one in the country and LSU would find a way to beat them 7-3 to three, or there would be a tie 10-10. to 10. There was just some wars that were fought over a five-year period and there's still some scars that exist between that fan base and Ole Miss. So when Ole Miss can really beat them and they can really get up, that game becomes even more special than LSU versus Alabama. It's just a weird thing. They might not admit it. Ole Miss might not admit it. But it's absolutely true. Night game, Tiger Stadium, when Ole Miss is good, is an unbelievably special thing. 2014, they beat Ole Miss what it, um, 10 to 7 or whatever it was and rush the field. I mean, you can't say it's not a rivalry when you treat it like that. It's, it's, it's a big deal. But if we can get the snap situation done before LSU, they have a chance to be 9 and 0 going into Bama. Now, there's some very difficult games. Vandy can beat Ole Miss. And yes, I said that out loud. Auburn can beat Ole Miss. Yes, I said that out loud. LSU can beat Ole Miss. A&M can beat Ole Miss. If Ole Miss wins all four of those games going into Alabama, it becomes a special, special thing. Remember, I've said it before many, many times. If Ole Miss loses the game, it's not going to be because of talent. It's not going to be necessarily because of coaching. It's probably going to be because of focus. And the scary game that Ole Miss needs to circle on their schedule right now is at College Station. Because at Texas A&M, even though they're struggling, has the talent to beat Ole Miss because everybody be looking ahead to Alabama. Picture the way they played against Tulsa when they were looking ahead to Kentucky. Then picture out what this nuclear game could be like. Just say. It's just one of those weird, weird things. Anyway, from cringing at the pumps to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for all who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back 
thanks to Upside. To get started, you know, download the free Upside app from the App Store. Use promo code LOCKED, that's one word, LOCKED, and get five or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next claim and offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in in the business and pay as usual with a credit or debit card and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are using are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get five or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's five bucks or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 bucks or more using promo code LOCKED. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Please leave us a five-star review on those two services. You can say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review. The reason I'm asking you to do this, it will help people find us on the Google machine. Whenever they type in Ole Miss podcast, we will come up. Right now, we are sitting firmly on the top left, and um, that is because of this five-star thing that we're doing. So, Leave that review and make us very happy. Thank you. Anyway, we got Kara McCutcheon in the third segment. We're going to do a little bit of talk. We're normally going to do a giveaway, but she's got a little bit of busyness that's happened. We had the hurricane last week. She does have one more piece of merch she wants to give away, but it might be next week. So be patient for that. All right. Improvements of the exchanges. And that basically means snapping the ball. And stuff like that. Caleb Warren is basically, I don't even think he's practicing with the team right now. I think in practice reports yesterday, he was over working out at Muscle Beach in the um, the sand area by the practice fields. And they allowed the media to see and talk about Nick Broker playing at center. And I figure with the two freshman tackles, you got Michael Pettis and um, – Jaden Williams, Jaden Williams, uh, yeah, I think it's his name. Sorry, brain fart. Um, you have the ability to kind of move that because you do have Mason Brooks, you do have Jeremy James, you do have Eli Acker. You got a bunch of guys that can play the line. So moving Nick Broker over to center, you have people that can fill the void at guard. Now, this team is especially deep for an offensive line unit. This is something that we haven't noticed in the last couple of years, mainly because. Jeff Lebby rarely substitute offensive linemen, so we didn't really know how good they were. But they're decent. Micah Pettis, SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week in his first start against a top 10 team. 11 a.m., let's go. And he absolutely performed. We'll see exactly what he was able to do against Vanderbilt. Now, against Vanderbilt, they've got a linebacker that's leading the SEC in tackles. They've got Will Shepard and another receiver that's got 20-plus catches, both of them. They've got a running back with 400 yards. This is an offensive unit and defensive unit. They're competent. They're organized. That, that's what you need to realize. They're building a culture in Vanderbilt to where they don't beat themselves, if that makes sense at all. They don't beat themselves. And if you go out and make mistakes – and you have problems with your quarterback center exchanges, if you're getting procedure penalties, if you turn the ball over 
all of a sudden this game in the fourth quarter, just like Tulsa, will be closer than you want it to be. Now, Vandy can beat Ole Miss. I do not think Vandy will beat Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss will find a way to pull away, and they have a little bit more, too many explosive bullets in the gun for Vandy to even stick up to it. But here's another thing you need to realize. Vandy just got boat raced two weeks ago at Alabama. Now, everybody always used to talk, used to hate about Ole Miss. It's like, we always get Vandy early. Why do we get Vandy early? Look at 2003. Vandy was the opener of the season, required a Jonathan Nichols 52-yard field goal for Ole Miss to win that game. And if you look back on it, Ole Miss in that year went 10-3, and 7-1 in the SEC. So Vandy still gave them that much trouble. Vandy historically has given Ole Miss that much trouble. So let's say it's 2006. You know, I mean, it's Ed Orgeron, but you get the idea. It's 2006. And Ole Miss goes up there and they have problems with the snap. They have some operational issues. They turn the ball over a couple of times. You're not surprised at all that this is a fourth quarter game. In fact, you're saying, here we go again. I hate playing Vandy early in the season when they have all this hope. I mean, mean, that's just the way this series has gone historically. But I do think that Ole Miss has a chance to get this center exchange figured out. I think that Caleb Warren, has, he's going to get well. They're going to get him well, and they're going to figure out a way that somebody that can snap the ball fairly consistently. Now, I told you three weeks ago before all of this happened, everybody started noticing after Kentucky, but the snaps were even the velocity getting back. that It was problematic. And I even mentioned that this could be a fatal flaw of this team. It's not at the point where I'm saying it is the fatal flaw of this team. I'm still at the point where it could be. Because there's still some chances to get this somewhat fixed. Now, if Nick Broker goes in there and has a good game at center, all of a sudden, Nick Broker's just made himself a ton of money. Because that means he started at left tackle, left guard, and center. Think about all of that versatility on an NFL roster. Nick Broker's a guy that's going to go to the NFL and play for 14 years if he does that. Because that type of versatility is praised at that level whenever you might carry seven offensive linemen on your team. You need guys that can play different positions. So Nick Broker, being a center, if he's if he can pull it off, will have made him some money in the grand scheme of things. And... I want to see that. That's one thing I'm going to watch in that game is the just every center quarterback exchange, it needs to be clear. I want to see if it gets to the point where it's predictable enough that we can run a jet sweep. Now, part of that is Jackson Dart knowing when to call the ball, to call the snap. Part of that is knowing the people when you're coming in motion, when to go in motion. And then the other part is that snap getting there timely where it's predictable, where you can get the ball off. Because if you do it right, and we have done it right like last year when we were so heavily in the jet sweep game, you can see how effective it would be, how it keeps the defensive ends from crashing down. It becomes a weapon in your tool chest. 
And it's an important part of this offense in making a defense defend 52 and a half yards across the field. So until the snap situation gets figured out, which it could this weekend, I'm not saying it won't. I'm not saying it's definitely in the fatal flaw territory. I'm saying it could be. Until that gets figured out, half the offense is just the playbook just put up, which those plays we will need when Alabama comes to town. So we need to hope upon hope that the offensive snap situation gets taken care of because, honestly, this team with an offense, I'm not really worried about the offense at this point. Yeah, you tell me right now, somebody came out, the football gods came down and said, hey, Ole Miss is winning football games on a running game and defense. And it's like, is Lane Kiffin the coach? And they're like, yes. Okay, I'm not worried about it. It's going, it's, it's going to be all right. They're going to get it figured out. And I think they will. And it starts this weekend. Doesn't start next weekend. Starts right now. Started probably Monday when they went out on the practice field. Started right then. The countdown for what they could be started right then. I will say this, though. If this does not get fixed, there will be a center taken in the transfer portal for next year. And there should be. Because maximizing this quarterback position, I've told you this for five, four or five months, is not only important for this year's team, but important for next year's team. So it should be pretty cool. Anyway, I'm excited about what I've seen so far. Kara McCutcheon is coming up next right after this. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also hit the bell for notifications for release a new video. And, of course, participate in the conversation by upvoting the video and commenting below. I'm here with Kara McCutcheon for a weekly segment. Um, last week, thanks to Hurricane Ian, we were unable to um, get together. But before we start, I think we need to declare a contest winner from the last giveaway. Yes. Yeah, so um, official congratulations to um, Paul Mancini. And I apologize if I say your last name wrong, Paul. Um, thank you so much. I really enjoyed your memory um, with your two daughters in the Grove for the first time and their experience at the game and um, college experiencing college game day and beating Bama and uh, everything. So what a special memory. Um, and thank you to everyone else who also, I mean, it was really, really hard. We had some really, really good uh, memories there. Um, and just so you know, there'll be a, another chance coming up in a few weeks to uh, for another giveaway. Yeah. Should be a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed all the comments. I, even though I wasn't a judge, I still got to read the memories, and it was it was it was pretty cool to see. So thank everybody. Thanks everybody that participated. Now this weekend, I I fully admit this past weekend I was skeptical of the stripe out. Were we going to be able to pull off the stripe out? And honestly, we kind of did. It, it was kind of oh, cool. It looked amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it looked amazing. Uh. Super impressed, super jealous. I wasn't able to be there. Um, man, like, what a showing. So, I uh, hope we keep it up. It, it looked great. Yeah, Look, looked absolutely fantastic. And, and then you actually talk about the actual game. And 
the defense just looked really, really good against Kentucky. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things about that game that I see a lot of that's being said is we got lucky. And, um, man, I really don't like that term. Um, you know, our defense applied pressure when they needed to. They got in there. They made the play that they needed to. And I to call that luck really just kind of a – so to me, luck would be missing the field goal like LSU and Florida State. That's Florida State getting lucky. The defense applying pressure when they needed to and getting to the quarterback and get, concealing a turnover, I don't consider luck. Well, if you look at it, we blocked an extra point. That was not the doing of Kentucky. We forced two turnovers. The one drop snap could be there, but you could honestly say that Kentucky was probably lucky to be within striking distance in the fourth quarter because without three or four plays from Barry and Brown, you're looking at seven points and 200 yards of offense for the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of the, oh, they missed the call of targeting. Um, I think that's a great area. Uh, Levis kind of came, you know, he put his head down, which would have created the targeting. I don't think if the guy had come in, it would have been a targeting call had Levis not lowered his helmet. So I think that was a good no call. Um, but if really you want to get there, like we had a missed face mask, which would have not even given them the ball back. So, I mean, we, you can go back and forth on that. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't like the say of luck. Really, I think luck, unless it's something, like I said, you just happen to miss. Like, I think luck uh, on a good defensive play when they need to step up is really not the word to use. I think the yeah. defense just stepped up when they needed to, made the play they needed to, uh, that one, that sealed the game for us. Yeah, and, and, and regardless, when you look in the media guide in 50 years, it's going to say almost 20, 22, Kentucky 19, and nobody's going to know a dang thing that went on in that football game. So mm-hmm. now Ole Miss turns his attention to Vanderbilt, and according to Chris Gordy, who was on yesterday's show, apparently a lot of Ole Miss people are planning on going up to Nashville, which they pretty consistently do. Um, are you going up to Nashville at all? No, I won't be going. Um, as much as I want to, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So what do you think about that game, real quick? What, what, what do you want to see in that game? So I really think the key there for us is to just stay like Vandy hasn't had too much struggles with the ground game. Um, I think they limited on the ground. They limited uh, Bama, I think, to like 225 yards or something like that. Um, we're averaging what? A little bit more than that or right around the same. Um, I think we have a lot of back there. So I don't know between Evans and against if they really can hold us on the ground. Um so I think for Vandy, it's really keys is our defense and how tight their defense is going to be on their ground game. But I I think we're going to come out pretty victorious there. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to our social media stuff that we need to talk about, give me a score prediction for the game. I'm going to go 48-17 Ole Miss. Okay. So you got them covering on top of everything else. Okay. Well, let's move on to the trending Twitter topics going around Twitter at the moment, and there's a whole bunch of stuff propping Ole Miss up because of what they did. Optimism everywhere, perspectives all over the place, and then all of a sudden in midseason, they automatically assume that Lane Kiffin is going to leave. So what do you think is going on? You know, 
Okay, so there's a lot every year we hear this. Everyone just assumes Lane's leaving every year. Um, a lot of that is his reputation, of course. But, um, you know, a lot of that, too, is our reputation that the way people view us, Auburn thinks they can just pick whatever they want from us. Other teams have that view. Like, they're a better program. They have better talent in their mind. They're just going to pick what they want and tweak what they want or do whatever they want because they're the better. They can do more there. Um, honestly, I think if people look at a few, I think it was last week, Lane had posted, and Lane's really cryptic sometimes in the things he posts, um, but he had posted at the, the grass isn't always as greener to juice, talking about Laura Retridge being a Florida fan, and he said, and he had a hashtag that was stay in the sip, um, or staying in the sip, or something like that, so I don't know if that really was like a cue to Ole Miss fans, I'm not leaving, I'm not going anywhere, we're staying here. Um, of course, we're going to hear the pine box. You're going to get the Tupperville said the same thing. Um, you're going to hear that. But honestly, I think the way we're trending right now with recruits, I mean, you you got uh, Franklin out there retweeting Ole Miss stuff. Um, Perkins is still tweeting Ole Miss stuff. Uh, I really, you know, I just, I, maybe I'm just not as, cynical or anything but I, I i think lane is trying to tell us if you know and last year he didn't really have those kind of tweets out there this year you know i think it's a little more he's been a little more open about i'm not going anywhere yeah and i'll openly say on the record there's no way lane kiffin after what happened to him at usc is going to jump into that auburn booster snake pit that would absolutely be suicide um there's no way he's going to go to Nebraska. Why would you go to the middle of the country? Because Monty Kiffin coached there in 1968 or something like that. So there's not many jobs out there. There's probably three or four jobs that Lane Kiffin could even realistically leave. And let's be real. The way things are going with Ole Miss, Ole Miss, if he asked for $10 million, Ole Miss would pay him $10 million. Mm-hmm. And also he's set up to where basically four months out of the year, he's in Boca Raton working remotely and coming back to Oxford when he needs to. So he's got a really good gig at Ole Miss right now, and I think he knows that. Yeah, I, you know, I think Lane is happy. I think, you know, a lot of people read into his statements last week about the attendance um, at the games and thought, oh, he's unhappy. Uh, I don't, if people remember, Saban did the same thing when he kind of first got around through the first few years at Alabama, a lot of that is culture shift. And sometimes you got to just say it and almost piss the fans off just a little bit enough to get what you want. And I think a lot of that is what Lane was doing. I think Lane was like, I'm just going to piss everyone off and I'm going to say what needs to be said. And you're going to have to hear it, even if you don't like it. Yeah, I think what happened in the Kentucky game was exactly what he was looking for when he said that on Monday. I mean, he got his exact goal. That's what that was about. That wasn't anything about big picture. People wanted to be about big picture because people, for whatever reason, I do not know why, they don't want Ole Miss to win. Like the national media and all that, they do not want Ole Miss to be at the place they're at right now. Like Lane Kiffin is the fastest 20 wins. He's tied with Johnny Vault to get to 20 wins to start a coaching career at Ole Miss. So we're talking lofty company um, right now. And and I think other people are kind of starting to get nervous because Ole Miss is building a little bit of a monster right now. And I think everybody can see that. 
I agree. I think there's a lot of perspective that people just don't want Ole Miss to do well. Um, I think some of the programs see us as much as I don't see it that way, but some of the programs see us as cupcake. Um, they see us as an easy win. They don't want us to grow in recruiting. They don't want us to grow the program. They don't want Lane there. They want to keep that for sure win. Um, and I think maybe not to the Bama level yet, but I think some of those teams, we do kind of uh, start to rival a little bit um, and can win those games. And they don't like that. They don't want that. So, um, you know, uh, I I don't think Lane's going anywhere. I think no. perspective is just, you know, Ole Miss needs to stay where they are. We don't want change and we're growing. We're, you know, we just won a national championship in baseball. Um, they don't like that. <laughs> they don't want that, which, you know, once you win one national championship, that kind of starts bringing more to the school puts more into the school. If you look, our baseball team has a number two class right now in recruiting. Um, so, you know, the LSUs of the world, the Auburns of the world, maybe, I wouldn't say A&M, um, but just those, they kind of want us to stay that easy win when you have, you know, when you're going up against Alabama, or you're going up against Georgia. Yeah, and just the way it works, it doesn't really work that way now because of national recruiting, but Alabama and LSU, are, they have a vested interest in Ole Miss and Mississippi State not being very good so they can come into Mississippi and expand their own recruiting territory mm -hmm. uh, and to get a, even right. a little bit better. Yeah, but right now, this has a chance to be a little bit of a monster. I, I think I, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Yes, I agree. Um, I think if we're able to keep Franklin in uh... – in state and he uh comes to Ole Miss that's huge um that would be two of our top uh state in state players that for the recruitment that came into Ole Miss that didn't go to Alabama or did, you know mainly it's Alabama but that we were able to keep and I think that's really key and those are huge to keeping those in-state guys yes and um before we get out of here what do you think five games in Jackson Dart report card you know what? I think Jackson Dart, uh, starting off, just, you know, he has some improvements, obviously. But with those low snaps and him making plays, uh, showed a lot of improvement that he's made in those decision points and that confidence he has because, man, he got a lot of low snaps that he turned into big plays for us or at least something. So I have to give Jackson Dart credit for that. Yeah. Anyway, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Everyday host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. It's Locked On SEC. Thank you very much, Kara. Um, we will um, get together next week before Auburn and um, hopefully get have a giveaway or something either next week or the week after. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy.